Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. Throughout the years, I've gotten to celebrate and sometimes criticize different pockets of pop culture, of the millennial zeitgeist, with episodes that feature oftentimes the media that really meant something to me, whether, you know, it's deep diving the Twilight Saga or Gilmore Girls or American Girl Dolls. Or even just raging against how we all once felt in a dressing room of an Abercrombie and Fitch, only to come all this way and have influencers still hawking Abercrombie and Fitch jeans by saying things like, they look good on everybody. And I'm just here to tell you, no, they don't. No, they don't. (laughs) They don't look good on me. (laughs) Not all of us can pull off a straight leg. Yes, Olivia Culpo looks darling in a straight leg. But where does that leave the rest of us who look like Danny Tanner? Later in the episode, I'm joined by my sister Kelly, a pod favorite, and a person that I could just talk to forever. And it's always a joy to have people like her on the podcast where there's a very similar reservoir of references (laughs) in terms of what we like and care about in the pop culture world. And for Kelly and me, the show Friends is, is a significant part of that real estate and is something we've mutually loved and shared throughout our lives and is something we weren't allowed to watch as kids that, you know, almost in protest, I think we watched excessively as adults. And I thought she'd be the perfect person to come on and just do an episode where we kind of shoot the shit about one of our and many of your favorite shows that was such a staple of the 90s, of the 2000s, and even of our lives now, given its heavy syndication that then was on Netflix, that now is on HBO Max. And there are a couple reasons I wanted to do this episode. One, last weekend, we heard of the tragic passing of Matthew Perry at only 54 years old. He was best known for his role in the show Friends, of course, as Chandler Bing, but also starred in many other things I enjoy, like Seventeen Again and Fool's Rush In, and kind of a weird coincidence given the episode title of last week that I put out before this news, but he was also in the whole nine yards. And he was, I mean, not only a talented actor, but he also had a profound desire, I've learned, to make an impact on the lives of people battling addiction that I've learned more about watching clips of him this week. And celebrity deaths are always kind of a weird parasocial experience where you feel a punch in the gut and grieve in your own way, despite not really knowing the person. And after the news broke, my For You page for several days was flooded with uh, clips from friends, the Friends Reunion, from different interviews. There are a lot of clips of Matthew Perry talking about his commitment to advocacy for addiction recovery and support. And I was like, wow. I, I almost felt like there was this, a reaction and outpouring that is disproportionate to what I would have assumed, given that he hasn't been as active as an actor in recent years. And I was kind of like, damn, I wonder if he really understood how loved he was. And how much Chandler meant to people. And I know Friends isn't the thing he most wanted to be remembered by. And I'm sure it's so frustrating to be forever identified with your most well-known role. But seeing people react to his passing, I don't know. It's kind of a testament to what we talk about often here on the podcast, which is how much pop culture matters to people. And I saw a lot of memes and tweets and posts saying, I mean, so many things that just tugged at my heartstrings, like making illustrations of, you know, Matthew Perry walking off into the sunset with the chick and the duck, and it says the one where we lost a friend. I'm just like, ugh. And I was thinking about the role of sitcoms like Friends, you know, through its own its place in my own life, but also how shows like Friends are the ultimate friend when you need it. Like, easily digestible and highly syndicated sitcoms like this are 
the light, predictable, yet entertaining camaraderie you need sometimes, in times of need especially. When people try to tell me pop culture doesn't matter, I try to explain to them that a singular episode of Friends is the pillar upon which my entire career stands. The one where Rachel burns Phoebe's apartment down with a hair straightener, of course. Since I take entertainment very seriously, I very seriously worried every time I left my house I had left something on and was going to do the same. That's how Be There in Five the Mat Business, that's now a podcast, was born. I, I don't know. I watched Friends all day, every day, it seemed like for the better part of college and early adulthood. And I feel like my background shows have changed over the years. In the mid-2010s, I feel like I went more in the direction of watching like The Office and Parks and Rec nonstop. And in more recent history, I've turned to like Schitt's Creek or, I don't know, watching the second season of Fleabag for the actual 40th time. But I feel very strongly about these types of shows. Obviously, we know a lot of things on a lot of shows do not age well. And it always becomes a, you know, battle of, like, yeah, of course, we should celebrate and criticize the things that we loved and how they impacted our worldview. But there's also something to be said about analyzing things through the lens of the time they were in. And sometimes watching these programs that have so many themes you would never say now, it almost is a refreshing reminder of how far we've come. Although I'm not, I'm not sure I've ever found Fat Monica funny. I, I just hate the flashback scenes in general, and I cannot believe how normal it was for her weight to be not, not only such an ongoing theme, but like a punchline. And it kills me that to like see her, Monica position herself and all of her best friends position the thinner version of her as the one revered as like worthy and who changed her the better and her younger self is coded as being somewhat of a loser seemingly due to her weight. And there's just so many problems to unpack there that I, I can't even get started. In doing a rewatch this week, I'm like, oh, God. I mean, there's so many things. I, just, even, you know, how Chandler's dad was talked about, how Chandler talked about his own dad. Even watching Rachel attempt to hire a male nanny, Freddie Prince Jr., Ross asks the nanny, he calls him Manny, which is a catchy term, to be fair, if he's gay. And I'm like, we wouldn't imply now that to be a man caring for a child, it must mean you're gay. I mean, look how far we've come. Last week's episode of KUWTK. Kim hired a Manny because her, and I think she said her sons are around a lot of female energy, you know, I guess when their dad isn't there and she wanted to have another adult male example around. Anyway, can you believe she forgot Saints Arsenal jersey? I mean, will he ever recover? That boy has such a hard life. Anyway, yeah, there are endless examples when I watch now where I'm like, yikes, you know, lack of diversity. That way Joey uncomfortably talks about women. The way that I uncomfortably laugh half the time when they're uncomfortably talking about women because it's like slightly funny he put up an ad for a female roommate, non-smoker, non-ugly. I don't know what to do. Anyway, so part of the reason I wanted to do this week's episode was just to kind of celebrate and honor this pop culture fixture that has meant a lot to my sister and me and many of you, but also because of a, a clip I saw that's actually from February, but I get, it was served to me on Reels this week. And it said, well, actually, let me just play it. Most of us only do one thing with our partners, and it's watching TV. And that is the lowest form of intimacy that you could possibly ask for with any human being. If you and I watch TV together for 200 hours a year, we would potentially be no closer than we were before. Yet with our partners, all we do is stay glued to a box for hours every day, waste minutes searching for what to watch, and then maybe having a quick little chat about it and switching it off. So I have this pyramid of intimacy and entertainment's on the lowest rung of the ladder, but that's what the majority of couples are doing. Instead of entertainment, I'm really interested in people doing experiences together, something new, something fresh, an experiment together. 
in the wise words of an old friend. Could he be any more off base here? My God. I get what he's saying, like quality time and emotional intimacy and actually interacting are important. And maybe I'm too much of, you know, an adult iPad kid. But I'm just so tired of people shaming our chosen forms of leisure. And I just feel like TV, it's a valid art form, like no less sophisticated than film. And I feel so strongly about how much I dislike when people lead with not owning a TV like it's a personality trait. I actually think it's in my book's intro. Scratch that. It's not only in the introduction. It is quite literally in the second paragraph. Now, the person speaking was Jay Shetty. I know a lot of people love him, don't know much about him. He's millions and millions of followers. And according to the internet, well, according to a tried and true and heavily vetted trusted source, you know, only to be compared to the esteemed journalism of a bored panda, for example, is uh, CelebrityNetWorth.com, which says Jay Shetty is worth roughly $30 million. And good for him. Maybe that's what I'd be worth if I watched less television. And I guess his point was to value experiences. And to an extent, I agree, like having interactive experiences is good. But here's the thing, Jay Shetty, life is hard. People are busy and go through shit. And sure, when we look back on our lives, the profound moments may stick out to us. But there's a lot of value in the entertainment we use to string together our days. I would argue that what you extract from TV can be profound. But also, not everybody has the time or money for more profound backdrops, you know, for connection with their spouse or partner. People are like working and parenting and I don't know, whatever soul sucking source of income your life requires because you need to be able to afford the 25 streaming services that you choose to watch TV. I just, I guess it's a classic case of good for you, not for me. I'm glad you don't need TV, but we the people need TV, you know? It's not that not watching TV is bad. It's that I just don't want to be shamed for watching TV. People have been shaming television since I was a kid, and I was told it was going to rot my brain as if playing outside was a good use of time. Like, yeah, I could have missed out on some memories from not going to summer day camp. But I also have great memories of watching other people at summer camp from the comfort of my own home in air conditioning, watching Eve get ruthlessly kicked off of bug juice season three and then wonder about it for the next 20 years actually spoiler alert i think we did find out recently that it was marijuana related because a brave soul took to reddit to say to ask the people what happened to eve from bug juice but also need i remind you we we tried doing experiences in the episode two weeks ago i talked about how many of us attempted to weather a recession by buying groupons for experiences and guess where that landed us In, in a in a back room of an unmarked storefront getting a bikini wax and a camping chair. One brave listener, you know, in an effort to provide her spouse or partner with an experience of a boudoir shoot, went to what she thought was a boudoir shoot, only to end up in a stranger's basement, who I guess owned a camera, but also had a toddler crawling nearby their silk robe. I mean, that is tough stuff. And meanwhile, you know, we were forced out of our house and into attempting these experiences to like make memories. But uh, like the toddler, my skin crawls when I think of the time we spent going to paint and sips. It just, life does not always happen in experiences. Sometimes life happens while you're watching a critically acclaimed drama with a loved one. Sometimes memories are made while arguing with with a paramour about what matters more, the audience score or the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. I still don't really know. And do you call it a tomato meter or a tomatometer? It's tough to say. Tomato, tomato, literally. Anyway, I guess the group on time was, that was just a tough period in general, where experiences were all the rage and 
also people were really pushing indie films onto me as well. I had just moved to New York and I was like, listen, I uh, like, yeah, I'll support an indie film if that indie film is Julie and Julia. You ever heard of a little up and coming director, Nora Ephron? <laughs> There's nothing like supporting a mom and pop operation like Sony Pictures. There's something so fun and deeply romantic, mind you, about finding a new show, the anticipation of will we or won't we like it, figuring out if you can weather through the pilot and maybe a second episode and just see if you can get into it. Then inevitably you both get sucked in. You watch one too many episodes to the point until Netflix has the audacity to do like the you okay, girl notification. Like, are you still watching Gilmore Girls? It kind of takes on a, a new energy now because I watch so many shows that are old and it's like, are you still watching in terms of time spent? But also like, damn, you're still watching that? Like time to get some new shows. And yeah, something's just fun about getting sucked into a show with your partner. And then not only can you look forward to watching it together or parsing out the episodes over the course of, you know, your free time together, you also can like play fight and get mad at each other if the other is going to watch without the other or get farther ahead, which has happened with Greg. We've, I mean, we've had some knockdown drag out fights about how far he got in suits, despite me being the one that wanted to watch it and him being very resistant. Because as soon as he heard Harvey Specter say, I make billion dollar deals for breakfast, he was like, I don't know about the dialogue in this one. And I was like, wait, people told me it's so bad, it's good. Like if Succession was on the Lifetime Network, you know, corporate cringe. It's it's like one of my favorite categories. And also when I say knockdown drag out fights, I mean, we argue about like, I think it looks fun to go mudding like Lewis Litt does. And he thinks it looks incredibly unappealing. And then I'm like, well, if you would just go to the spa with me now and again, you know, these are the inspiring conversations television can yield. And I just think there's something really special about analyzing a show and the characters and talking about what you think is going to happen, talking about what did happen, seeing what people are tweeting during it. I think anything you share is worthwhile. And it's shitty to moralize the way we choose to spend our time and what interests we choose to share. And I guess, you know, Greg and I could go play pickleball or like go bowling tonight. But true intimacy to me isn't found, you know, at a location where I have to change my shoes. We're all dogged without bumpers. True intimacy to me is found in finding a new multi-season, critically acclaimed series that we both get hooked on and then turning our backs to one another and deep diving Reddit threads about alternate endings. I don't know. We bought the ticket. We took the rideshare. We did the trapeze classes. And I, I don't think it brought us any closer to our partners. But you know what did? Powering through three seasons of The Bold Type, on an unassuming Saturday. Romance at its finest. My point is, TV does matter. Seeing the outpouring of love for Matthew Perry's body of work, I think, was just a testament to that and something I've been thinking about a lot this week and thought, you know what, let's honor and celebrate a staple of Americana-like friends for what it was, despite its many issues. This is just meant to be a fun episode where two fans of friends talk about it for an hour and a half just because it's fun. And it felt healing this week. Here at the Be There in Five podcast, current events have never been our strength. We really specialize in deep diving things that happened in like 2004. So um, hopefully you don't mind us taking a walk down memory lane today. But it was really fun to chat with Kelly about something we both love. And I know a lot of you do too. So enjoy this episode. Believe it or not, I do stop watching TV now and again and touch grass. Sometimes I even read a book. Actually, oftentimes I read a book, especially lately, because Book of the Month has eliminated the paralysis of options I usually feel when trying to pick out the next book to read. I never know where to begin when looking for a book, especially in a non-airport setting. And I love Book of the Month because it provides a curated selection of what I'm told is good, 
that I can pick from while still being able to choose from that group based on my personal interests. So it's like curated and personalized. The great part about Book of the Month is that they often feature new and emerging authors you can discover. And the curated set of books that you choose from is a product of the expertise at Book of the Month because each month the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and picks five to seven of the best new books for you to choose from. And they are all good. So you can't go wrong. It really cuts through the clutter and, and saves me time. And the app makes it super easy. Not only can members rate and review and participate in reading challenges, it's also super simple to pick your next book as your book of the month. And you can also add backlist books to your box at a discount. And this month for November, they have repeat authors, they have new authors. One of the repeat authors is uh, Jasmine Ward with her book, Let Us Descend, or the globetrotting espionage story, The Helsinki Affair. There's a debut author named Kate Robb whose book is called This Spells Love, where an attempted memory wipe of a bad ex leaves a young woman, a stranger to her best friend. <gasps> Can't wait. And if you're interested in a delight for the eyes and ears, I know listeners of podcasts often like to listen to audiobooks too, and Book of the Month also recently launched their curated audiobooks, in addition to hardcovers, and members can choose and download and listen right in the app. It's so fun to have a new book to read every month, a physical one to hold, an audiobook to listen to while I get stuff done around the house, and I love Book of the Month for how they support new and emerging authors as well. And if you want to give it a try, get your first book for $9.99 with code be there in 5 at bookofthemonth.com. Get your first book for $9.99 with code be there in 5 at bookofthemonth.com. All right, everybody. I'm excited that today I am bringing in a subject matter expert in terms of our level of obsession with this program. She's a pod favorite, hasn't been on for a while. I'm so happy to welcome her back because she's kind of like my real life version of a Monica. And I mean that in the best way and we'll get into it. Welcome back to the podcast, Miss Fun Within Reason herself, Kelly Kennedy. Oh, why am I not drinking out of my Fun Within Reason mug? I don't know. And how have I never connected that Monica Geller is so like the Fun Within Reason mascot? That is a great point because she does love to have a good time as long as it's like shut down and clean before you go to bed. Exactly. And I was rewatching some episodes this week and I heard her say rules help control the fun. <laughs> if that's not my life motto. And remember she had 11 categories of hand towels Oh, yeah. or just towels in general. And she only named eight of them. Would you co-sign this? Everyday use, fancy guest. Old Fancy beach guess. bath kitchen. Do you think all those towels need to be different? Um, I can totally see that, but you did miss the category of fancy guests, which came third in that quote on the show. Oh, every day you correctly. Oh my God. Yes. This is why you're the fancy expert. Every day you use fancy guest. Fancy, fancy guest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, what's funny is, um, you know, Carmen James, friend of the pod, she put up an Instagram story this week, I think, saying, do you wipe your hands on the decorative towel at people's houses? Never. And I don't either. And and I was like, wow, this is a really interesting question because I feel like mom had seasonal swap outs that went on the towel ring or next to the sink that I knew were off limits and I didn't touch. So I'm always looking for like a crappier towel or like I'll shake dry before I'll yeah. defile somebody's seasonal towel. Absolutely. Like um, Ben Stiller in Along Came Polly, when he took the, he used the fancy hand towel as toilet paper. Well, we don't <laughs> reference 
along came Polly enough in our culture. <laughs> I I co-signed that reference. That okay, a great Jen Aniston film, it, a really good rom com. I know. I love Along Came Polly. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of the last time I watched it. It's just such a good movie. I don't know why that popped in my head, but it's very similar. So yeah, you know, I do co-sign Monica's 11, or I guess she listed eight types of towels. Um, no one knows the rest of them. I I understand that. Um, I personally don't have 11 types of towels because, you know, I'm in a shoebox. But one right. day, what a dream that would be to have a place to store those towels, but then also yeah. a place to display them. Wow. I think the unfortunate reality of being a gal who longs to be festive is the reality of having the storage space for seasonal items. I was just texting Nora McInerney because she tonight was going to set up her Christmas village. And I said, Nora, can you send me a photo? All I want is to be a Christmas village person, but I cannot store a Christmas village. Yeah. And how sad is it that you, you, we have to rob ourselves of seasonal joy just because of the off season storage. (laughs) It is sad. And I will share, as you know, I do have two storage units (laughs) for mostly seasonal goods. One of them is holiday day for (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's overwhelming to take up that space. Like, cause I was explaining, I don't have closed storage. Like, yeah, I could put stuff everywhere, but like, I don't want that for my life. You don't want it to look cluttered. Yeah. I trust me. I get that. Um, So in my intro, what I was saying is not only, obviously, the very unfortunate and tragic passing of Matthew Perry is what made me start to watch a lot of Friends footage this week. Um, I was also thinking a lot about, did you happen to see my Instagram story where I reposted Jay Shetty saying that watching television with your partner is the lowest form of intimacy and you have to like do activities together? I was livid. (laughs) No. How can you claim that? That is my favorite thing to do is when you have a show in common that you can be able to feel chill and just watch together and talk about it. It's the best. not talk about it, but just watch. (laughs) I I think as I probably shared on the pod before, back when I was on the dating apps, if someone put on there that they did not own a TV, automatically, not a chance. It's not going to work. I enjoy this as an activity. Right. Which actually ties us back to friends because I recalled so growing up and I know we had similar upbringing, but also we had some differences. And so when I was a senior in high school, it was the final season of friends. No, No. you would have been in college. Seventh season of friends. Um, For whatever (laughs) reason, it was like everybody was watching it. Right. And we weren't allowed to. And so mm-hmm. I would go up into the attic and bring down the small black and white <laughs> antenna TV and plug it in because they played Friends re uh, reruns at 7.30 p.m. Yes. NBC. And it was my way of like trying to stay culturally relevant in what all the kids at school were talking about. Okay. The Yes. Okay. So the end of season seven aired May 17, 2001. Does that track? Yep. Yes, that's right before I graduated. And that's Monica and Chandler's wedding, part one and two. In part one, didn't Chandler go missing or something? Yeah. Well, yeah, he, that was a huge cliffhanger. Oh, it was a huge cliffhanger. And then they see what that Monica was pregnant. Oh, the but it pregnancy was really test. <gasps> yeah. I have goosebumps. And then remember Phoebe tricked her to say that she wasn't pregnant to see how she yes. would feel. And thank goodness <sighs> she had that reaction. Oh, Rachel had the best French twist at that wedding. She looked stunning. She really did. Wow. Yeah. I feel bad for you that you would ever be left out of that conversation. Yeah. I mean, 
Sorry, our, mom and dad. Our, for our parents would attest to I, they. It was they were they felt it was slightly mature for the whole household because when you were a senior in high school, I was what in eighth right. grade. Eighth grade. Which, yeah. to be fair, it does have a lot of suggestive themes. So, it's interesting because so much of Friends I relived after it was already done. Like I, yes. I relived in syndication instead of live, but I did watch the finale live with friends. You know, I love a millennial moon landing. Where were you when Rachel got off the plane? So I was so ingrained in um, college culture that I uh, did not watch Friends live when I was in college. I would have had to sit down and watch it live. And that really, I mean, my Thursday nights were Thursday nights the best college night. (laughs) It really was the best college night, right? Yeah, it really was. Um, So yeah, it's funny you ask that because I actually don't have an answer for that particular episode. But what is your answer? I was at my friend Caitlin's house. I feel like we weren't really in the must-see TV game beyond Laguna Beach, but like we knew the Friends finale was a big deal. And I was like maybe a junior in high school. Yeah. But yeah, I remember watching it there. I also remember that was the first time I ever heard Kanye West's first album, which is just like another (laughs) aside. Were you heartwarmed? College dropout? Yeah, I think I heard College Dropout at Caitlin's house. Is that where he has Kanye's workout plan? Oh my gosh. I, okay. That came on my playlist just a few days ago at the gym because I went back we and loved Kanye's workout. Plan. I loved Kanye's workout plan. It's really so sad. Like, I don't even know what he's up to now, but like a little part of me was touched that uh, Northwest dressed as his graduation bear. Yeah. Because I was like, I, I think Kim does work hard to compartmentalize and keep them out of yeah the tough stuff. And I'm like, it's cute that North still like seems to idolize her dad for the very least his art. And North did have five Halloween costumes, which is not relatable, but one of them was that graduation. (laughs) I feel like I saw that one. I haven't, um, today was sort of a busy day, so I haven't had a chance to catch up on stuff yet, but I will. Kelly, you haven't caught up on Northwest's Halloween (laughs) costumes. So sorry. I'm not prepared for this interview. I think she was um, also Cheetah Girls, also Tiana from Princess and the Frog. Also, she's something with Penelope. I don't know. Northwest is a star, is I think what we both know. She's definitely a star. But is she Bob Ross worthy? Like, is she really oh, the painting? painting all that? <laughs> I know. I don't know, Kelly. I was like, is that like a really good paint by numbers? Because, you know, I went to a lot of paint and sips and I actually think I am artistic. And I never came You're close to what Northwest mustered up at 10 years old. No, I, I, I was blown away and I was like, mm. <laughs> it's hard to say, Kelly, but I don't know if she's like the next Rembrandt. I mean, I would love for the joke to be on me. Same. <laughs> I would love it if this was true. Like, did you I, I feel like I saw yesterday or today. Were they voice actors in a movie recently? Like both her kids made money recently. Oh, really? Do you see? They, uh, uh, yes. Shoot, I don't know kids' films. There was a I film saw... that was recently published where where they were in it. Uh, North and Saint were voiceovers, and they made. I want to say maybe I should look it up, but I swear it was over a million dollars. What? Well, North was recently interviewed by like ID Magazine. I was like, is this weird? That she did like a formal interview and the answers are so funny, Kelly. Oh, I bet. Because she, she, she's a kid. Right. Yeah, it's with ID Magazine. And the question is like, who's your style icon? And she says, me. 
if you were an animal, what would you be? I want to be a mosquito because I'm allergic to them and I can tell them all to leave me alone. Like, I get that. I feel that. She said, what do you like to paint? Everything except helicopters. Helicopters are so hard because they have all these little lines. And like, yeah, she's right. When I was at Paint and Sips and they made me do the Eiffel Tower, I was like, too many lines. That's hysterical. But she said she finished last week a landscape and a sunset for her mom. She loves going shopping. There was a funny quote about how expensive. Oh, yeah. What do you want to be when you're older? A basketball player, a rapper. Um, Well, when I was seven, I wanted to be a boxer, but now I don't want to be a boxer. I'm going to do art on the side. When I'm like 13, I want to walk dogs to make money to buy art supplies because everything around here is so expensive. So a rapper, a basketball player, and I'm going to make artwork that I sell. Also, one day I want to own Yeezy and Skims and I want to be a business owner. (laughs) What a journey. Life trajectory to go from dog walking to buy art supplies in Calabasas to owning two of like the largest brands in the world. Of course, I was way off with my numbers. I just confirmed she was in Paw Patrol and made how much? $20,000. But still. I mean, it's no The Secret Life of Pets, too, but I'm glad she still profited. (laughs) <laughs> I wonder where I got the million from. The TikTok comments about Northwest interview were like, oh my gosh, I roll that she thinks like she lives this privileged life and she says art supplies are too expensive. And I'm like, no, my response was good for Kim. Exactly. Disproportionately abnormal life. And with all of the confidence and gall that North has and displays on the internet, she's still a little girl who's learning. And it, it seems like she's at least aware that she has to work for and buy things herself. And she's aware that things are expensive. It's not like she doesn't even know. I, I don't know. I was kind of, I was like, yeah, this isn't relatable, but in a, a young girl in her situation, I actually respect that she even has a concept of what is and isn't expensive. Same. I completely, I completely agree. You know what I was thinking so about earlier is that, okay. Did you, so you know that I used to be like into Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And I, I cannot. Uh, and you know how on high alert I am for safety. Yeah, I can't believe I did this. So in probably twenty selling furniture, no, twenty ten or twenty eleven, I was having a hard time, and I am such a TV person. I was being moved around by my company, and in corporate mm-hmm. housing, we didn't have cable, and this was a huge problem for me because for our conversation about television and Jay Shetty saying it's a waste of time and blah, blah, blah. For me, it's, it has scored my hardest times. It has brought me comfort in yeah. times of need. I think about um, self-soothing a lot now that I have a kid and I'm like, I think that I have self-soothing tendencies with shows I've already seen. And I, yeah, I was in new cities and I didn't have cable. And um, when I moved to Chicago uh, for just the three month stint, I went on Craigslist and I was looking for somebody affordably selling the Friends box set. And I found a guy who was selling all 10 seasons for a price I could afford. And he just said, meet me at the airport. And I said, yeah, totally. I met him at a sub at a subway turnstile, at the, an L turnstile at Midway. I took the train to Midway, the orange line. And I actually met this man. And over the turnstile, he actually gave me a box set of 10 seasons of Friends DVDs. But I'm laughing at that now because it doesn't sound safe. It was legit. But it is, to me, it midway is kind of weird for a box set. 
it's like you couldn't have met at any of the hundred thousand coffee shops that are in Chicago. Well, right? And it was the Midway L in stuff. Midway, right. <laughs> to go all the way out to Midway? You would have done it. Well, we did get in a windowless van in New York to right. get a please return right. to Turfany. Get, get a better deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you know, I'm not the best person to ask, but I am shocked that you did that. Yeah. Um, so, but I guess I even share that to say that's how badly I needed friends on my screen when I was going through a difficult time because I was so used to the syndication oh, and yeah. having it as as a literal friend in the background. Did you feel like it was kind of the show that was, I mean, I guess pun intended there for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. And I feel like to this day, there are certain shows that I will so I have to have the TV on to fall asleep. I like it is what it is. I know it's a terrible habit. And I rotate friends and the office, sometimes new girl, because yeah. I've watched them so many times. Yeah. And they always ultimately make you feel good. And I think with friends, at least for me, I like I really got into it in my 20s. And I sort of put myself in their shoes, like, oh my gosh, this could be like. This is this is the life for me. Oh, totally. You know? Yeah. I just I just remember for Ross's wedding when mm -hmm. Monica was in the bed with Chandler, right? Mm -hmm. I just re I vividly remember watching that scene to this day when that episode <laughs> comes on, I'm I'm like naturally giddy just because I I know I'm going to love the ending. Like to your point of the comfort, right? Yes, there's like the there's tension and plot, but there's predictability that like won't spike my right. blood pressure. And did you wait? Did you watch? I was going to ask you because I'm envious of people that experience. Can you hear talk about snoring? Um, okay, I I was going to ask you if you experienced these milestones. Was it season five or six when the finale when they wake up, or the was it the premiere when they're in bed together? Did you see that in real time or? After the fact, like on the black and white, not TV. in real time, but the I remember the first time ever watching it, like to really see what was going on because on the you know eight inch black and white antenna screen, I couldn't really <laughs> see what was happening. And the, but I remember once I like actually watched the series in full in my twenties. That's I vividly remember like that episode because of that happening, and I was so shocked. <laughs> oh yeah, it's one of the biggest shocks ever. Yes. I mean, it, I experiencing that in real time. I, I'm jealous of people who got to. I'm jealous of people who got to experience I Take the Rachel. <laughs> yes. Wait, can I ask you, now that you are older and have some perspective, do you kind of feel like justice for Emily? One reason Rachel may have been a less desirable partner is because, as we know from the show, she is notorious for exchanging every gift she's ever gotten. One gift that your loved ones will not exchange is the gift of Osea. The holidays are going to sneak up on us, and it's important to get ahead of gift shopping. And Osea is taking the guesswork out of gift giving with their Super Glow Body Set. It's a limited edition box set featuring three of Osea's best-selling body care products, a full-size Andaria Algae Body Oil, Andaria Cleansing Body Polish, and a travel-size Andaria Algae Body Butter. All packed in a box that's already so beautiful, you can skip gift wrapping altogether, which I love. And honestly, it's the perfect gift for yourself. I think I'm going to stock up. As I've told you before, the Andaria Algae Body Oil is vi went viral on TikTok as like a cult favorite for a reason. It's so moisturizing and actually gives you that glowy skin that you like see on TV and on red carpets. But I'm always wondering how people get that without using something that has like a glitter base to it. And it turns out actually being moisturized gives your skin a glow that doesn't always have to come from makeup. Their Andaria Cleansing Body Polish is an amazing like gel to milk texture exfoliant 
that just gives you the skin that dolphin dreams are made of. I'm sure this is not in the script. I'm sure they want me to stop talking about dolphin skin, but I feel like you guys know what I mean. And the out there body butter is so, so good as well. And coming in a travel size is perfect for holiday travels even. Anyway, Osea's Super Glow Body Set is the perfect way to try three of their best-selling products at incredible value. Right now, you can save 30% on the set at oseamalibu.com. Plus, we'll share a discount code for an additional 10% off. And Osea's been making seaweed-infused products that are safe for your skin and the planet for over 27 years. Everything they make is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Give the gift of glow this holiday season with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. And right now, we have a special discount just for my listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code BTIF at oseamalibu.com. Head to oseamalibu.com and use code BTIF for 10% off. Seriously, though, I feel like this is a kind of a unique gift. It's a brand you could like introduce somebody to and the products are so high quality. It's just kind of like the perfect pre-gift wrapped thing. Anyway, you get it. Head over. <laughs> Wait, can I ask you now that you are older and have some perspective, do you kind of feel like justice for Emily? So... <sighs> It's okay. <laughs> I mean, she got screwed for sure, right? Yes. Um, but I think their relationship just moved so fast. Yeah. And she herself was like hesitant of Rachel before the wedding began. Right. So if she had that hesitation, like, did she address it head on or did she just be like, no, you can't see her? Like, what? I want to know what their conversations were about this alleged concern. And if she just was like, oh, okay, it's fine. I'll let it go. Or I don't know. I think the hard part is we know the concern was valid. (laughs) So (laughs) she was right. (laughs) Well, I was also surprised. Maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was also surprised in that same episode when, or I guess it was the next episode when Ross goes to get on the plane with Rachel and then Emily's there. And then he leaves Rachel to go to the honeymoon by herself. Oh my god, that episode is so stressful. I know. Um, I mean, I think that when I rewatched that recently, I was like, okay, so she was wary of Rachel. He said, no, don't worry. Says Rachel's name at the altar. Then they have the chance to like figure it out on their honeymoon. And Ross invited Rachel to their yeah. honeymoon. And then Emily said, okay, we can work this out if you stop hanging out with Rachel. I'm like, I don't actually know if my directive would have been all that different. If all of those things happened to me, I think I would have said to be married to me. I actually don't think Rachel can be in our lives. The problem is, as viewers, we we would never let an Emily character that's a that's a tourist and not a staple um, derail our friend group. So, of course, we're going to rage against Emily. But as an adult watching this, I'm like, oh, Ross treated her terribly. Oh, I agree. (laughs) No, he did. I think it's. But again, it's funny because I still, I still like have a visceral reaction of like, like defend Rachel. <laughs> I know because you, you feel like Rachel and Ross belong together. Yeah. I mean, they said so at the reunion. She said if, if they, if the show had gone on, they would have had a couple kids. I know. Okay. Can we talk about the reunion real fast before we get? Yeah. Cause I feel like that's a good place for people to even start. If you like are. If you want to get reinterested in Friends, I watched the reunion when it came out. And I remember thinking, this is chaotic, but I'm into it. But I didn't watch it again. But it, for something about it, like, really tugged at my heartstrings rewatching it this week because of the Matthew Perry of it all, sure. But, like, I don't think I really caught the first time. They, they had. So what I'm charmed by is that they're friends in real life. 
But actually, I think the girls are friends in real life. And they said they had not been in the same room since the show ended. And that really bummed me out. I know. I know. All together. I think like it could have maybe five of them were, but all six. Yeah. Of them. But I do think the girls are friends. Um, yes, they are very close. And I'm charmed. And as we know from Matthew Perry's autobiography, I think Jennifer Aniston like kind of kept tabs and was like would check in on him. Which if I'm love. not mistaken, it's been yes. a while since I. Yeah, he said that he I think he kind of said okay. he always had a crush on her and that she yeah. kept tabs on him. And then at the reunion. I, unrelated? I, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Please. Keith Morrison is his stepfather. I I I. If I knew that, I forgot that I knew that because I was and like, his wait, mother, what? I, like her, she had a role in local government for like Justin Trudeau's father. Oh, really? And I'm blanking on his name. Because See, remember, he was raised in Canada. Parents split and then he ended up moving to L.A. to like pursue a career in tennis or something and then ended up acting. And his, really? Yeah. So, and then his mom met Keith Morrison when he was like a local reporter. I, I'm probably butchering this. I should really check my facts, but. I think there are so many interesting like Hollywood connections we don't even think about. Like Gloria Steinem is Christian Bale's stepmother. Right. Or like even like the Nicolas Cage Coppola connection or. I know. But sorry, I, I think I derailed us. But back to the reunion, I will say what was hard to watch at the time of the reunion was the same thing that was hard listening to his autobiography. And that was his speech. Yeah. And I think for the reunion, they said he had like de dental, dental surgery. surgery. Yeah. But I don't know. I have nothing. I mean, I don't really have another take on that of any sort. It's just something did seem off with him then. Yeah. I think the the memoir, like kind of um, the memoir kind of contextualized that his substance abuse, I guess, affected his teeth and mouth in a big mm -hmm. way in terms of like mm -hmm. some element of de deterioration. And yeah, he apparently had de a very like serious dental surgery two days before the reunion. And he said his mouth felt like it was on fire. I was watching like maybe a 92Y interview with him or something. I know. And like, it's just the reunion is a little hard to watch because no. you're like worried for him. And then also the part where James Corden, a like, LOL, James Corden, why are you everywhere? He was like, our first question, do you guys still keep in touch? And right off the cuff, Matthew Perry, no. hard to tell if he's being sarcastic or not, says nobody calls me or whatever. And and they no. all laugh. And I'm like, and I remember Greg and I, when we first watched it, we're like, we don't know if he's kidding. And it's upsetting. Well, and I think what's regardless of what's happened recently, which obviously is so sad, but just knowing it's hard to see because you fall in love with these characters, right? Like we talked about, they were our, like their comfort to us. Yeah. So you fall in love with these characters and his on-screen presence was so charismatic and charming and sarcastic and confident. And then to know, like to me, it was heartbreaking in the reunion when he said something about mm. like, he had to get the laugh. And if he didn't- It would didn't, kill him. Like it would kill him. Yeah, every night he was searching for that laugh. So imagine- feeling that anxiety. Yeah. And it's, I genuinely get it. Hearing him talk about like even rewatching the reunion, seeing like the whole live studio audience of it all that didn't really click with me because shows don't do that anymore. And mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, this was actually filmed live in a way where you were getting real time audience feedback on your performance of words. You didn't write. 
Yeah. Yeah. And for an anxious person. It's all about their delivery of those. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you don't have a lot of control over how people respond, but if that response is the only energy you get towards your work, your purpose, your life, like I could see how that would be really destabilizing. Mm -hmm. And I just, yeah, the reunion was, I mean, on the one hand, it was so touching and special, but it was also like casually unhinged. Like, can we just talk about who was, okay. So in this reunion, so we we start out like chill. It's like Joey's hand twin, the barbershop quartet. Yeah, cool. Uh, Mr. Heckles. Yeah, again. still alive. And then all of a sudden, it's like the band BTS is like we learned English watching Friends. And it's like, oh wow, God, BTS is huge. I can't believe they made time for this. And then they start doing Talking Heads, and it's Malala. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is this a right. favorite dream? Malala's like. My favorite scene is the routine. I'm like, me too, Malala. <laughs> no, I totally forgot that she was on there. Didn't they also bring back Tom Selleck when they were reenacting the game? And they didn't seem that excited to see him. I remember thinking. As a side note, John Stamos commented that when he was doing a guest appearance, Matthew Perry said to him, like, people are going to go nuts when you come on stage. Just like, let them clap and you know. And then he went on stage and no one clapped or did anything or said anything. (laughs) And he said it was like so awkward and like you just had to still go and deliver those scenes. But he said Matthew Perry was so, because now knowing that was his Uh, biggest fear. He was sensitive to. Always. Yeah, I guess was like kind of helping him through. Because I remember that being hilarious watching it when he was the sperm donor. What did John Stamos do on Friends? He was the sperm donor. Which season? When. Like toward the end, when Monica and Chandler were looking at options, like decided. Oh my god! To I or- to- they've had. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, it's interesting who they chose to bring back for that reunion because, like, we had Reese Witherspoon who played one of Rachel's sisters. Oh right. But I'm like, where the hell is Paul Rudd? I Mike Hannigan to me is like the. He's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite regular guests. I feel like we researched this after this aired live. I think we were both shocked and horrified with Paul Rudd. Mike Hannigan playing the air keyboard is like one of my favorite things ever. Mike Hannigan as crap bag. I I also am like a Paul Rudd apologist, though. Like when I the day after I gave birth, I watched I Love You Man twice. Another comfort. (laughs) No, I know. I feel like you and Greg watch that a lot. We love I Love You Man. No, I know. I do, too. (laughs) Remember the dinner party at his parents' house when, and, and she's just like making like an absolute fool of herself and they are so proper. That's right. She was trying, she like faked a British accent. She was trying to pretend to, (laughs) I forget so many things. I forgot his parents were like wealthy, sophisticated. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm remembering because I, I was rewatching their wedding scene earlier because I just thought it was so beautiful. Like when the snow and in the streets. And also one of my favorite Chandler scenes, it's so stupid, but when Monica's like, Chandler's chilly. (laughs) I I don't know. Like little things like that about Chandler make me laugh. (laughs) No, there's so many things about Chandler's character that make me laugh. Even just the, and I know it's overdone, but even the fact that no one ever knew what he did. And then remember when he was an intern with like a bunch of college kids for a sneaker company or something? Like, yeah, he wanted to get a new job. And Monica was like so excited to make binders with tabs for all the jobs. And the first tab was advertising. And he was like, great. (laughs) 
And he was like, sorry for wasting your time. She was like, wasting my time. <laughs> like organizing. Are you kidding me? That just reminded me of something that I'm now forgetting. Oh, to your point about his job, I was going to ask you because I was rewatching it. People love the episode with the one with the embryos, which is the one where mm-hmm. they do the quiz and they, the boys win the apartment and they, uh, the final question is what is Chandler Bing's job? And Rachel says a transponster, yeah. <laughs> which is not a word, but actually I, in my head, his job was like, hold on. It was data analysis and statistical yeah. something. Data configuration and statistical analysis. Yeah. So when on the reunion, when they said like, what was Chandler Bing's job? And the final answer was nobody knows. I was like, well, no, I actually, I thought that was the answer oh, was data right. configuration and stati- statistical analysis. So I Maybe thought they was were like just a- trying to kick uh, Tom Selleck off the set. They just didn't seem to be too thrilled that he was there. That's what I'm thinking. Which also now, okay, imagine being 27 and you start to date one of mom and dad's friends. Oh. <laughs> No. And then so you're like weird. hiding it. I feel like now it's we talk about age so gaps weird. differently. And I'm like, Richard, I think that I favor the seasons when after Monica and Chandler were together because it just seems right. Yeah. But it was funny when she went back to the like optometrist and it was Richard's son and they like had a moment, oh. you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and when I and I realized that the entire I mean, a, a, a pillar of this podcast is me wanting to be breezy. And that is a friend's reference. Um, oh, you're when, right. Yes. So not only does is friends is a pillar upon which right. my entire career stands because of the turn off your straightener, curling iron of it all. Yeah. Um, Monica is trying to figure out if, is it if Richard called her or left a voice? She leaves a voicemail for Richard. So she tried to hack into his, machine yes listen to his voicemail right and she accidentally left like the voice record message where she's going nuts and is like i don't know maybe i'm on my period or something and then like (laughs) she's like i'm breezy yeah i'm breezy and then (laughs) yes like why is that scene so important in my head that like uh, it's stuck out it stuck out to me in terms of like how you how calculated so many of our interactions are when we're dating yeah. But what we want to be is breezy. Yeah. But like we just aren't. And that was just such an important scene to me that I didn't even remember having a friend's origin until I revisited it. That is funny. I never put it together that the breezy comment to friends either. But that's such an important scene. Yeah. I was thinking of like what in everyday life do I use that's from friends? And I feel like there's obvious ones like, you know, a moo point. <laughs> like, yeah. like sometimes I want to say that and I'm like, do people understand that I know it's not moo? Um, I feel like you and I will like randomly talk about a regatta gala. Oh yeah. I love a regatta gala. Love a regatta um, gala. Or like, you know, they don't know, we know, they know type of vibes. Yeah. But I also like when I was pregnant, I thought about my boss wanting to buy my baby a lot. And like the reality of that plot line is so stupid. <laughs> Mr. Zellner. <laughs> Imagine accusing your boss of wanting to buy your baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I'm like crying. I, totally I know it, about that that one. It's, all, it's very obscure um plot lines but and i also like i feel like every parent has their own weird ass lullabies for you oh, know yeah. when you're trying to calm your kid down and out of nowhere i'll just start it i'll start singing teddy grams teddy grams what are they feeding you <laughs> and i don't even do <laughs> it's I, like funny. it's crazy how these shows are ingrained no. in our heads 
I think friends is is kind of a major touch point of us misunderstanding what life would be like as an adult. Oh. Did you think you that your life would be your friends would be your makeshift family and you'd like always have a spot open at the coffee shop type of vibe? <laughs> I was like, I will never have to work. All I will do is sip coffee and hang out in each other's apartments. Like that was yeah. the vibe. It seems um, normal. And it's funny too, thinking about it because in theory, all six of them had very different jobs and they all just yeah. happened to pop into the coffee house at the same time every day. And like, you know what I was thinking about? Like one of my biggest stressors about not really working or ever hanging out in coffee shops is it's very hard to get a prime seat. And the fact yeah. that the couch was always open. <laughs> Except that, remember that one episode when Robin Williams and Billy Crystal guest starred? Oh, They yeah. were gynecologists Whoa. or something. <laughs> And they stole the couch. That what was funny. big guest stars. I forgot no, about was, that. I feel like that was relatively early on in the season in the series. Do you have favorite guest stars? That so that's what I was just thinking about. I do so. Okay, I think Julia Roberts coming and playing Matthew Pear, or I guess Chandler's former love interest, and then when she like takes all of his clothes from him and leaves him in the bathroom. Yes. That was early and in the series. That was early. And I, but that was funny because I didn't, they were dating at the time. I didn't know that either. I know. And I, I think recently read that and I was like, oh my gosh, I completely forgot that she was like, and that was so funny. So I would say that was, that was fun. I still, to this day, love the Thanksgiving episode with Brad Pitt. Oh, so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, but then I also, even though Janice was annoying in the earlier seasons, when she came back around like eight years later and was buying a house next to them, like in Montauk or whatever, it was yes. just so, and she like, she kept like trying to seduce Chandler. Like it was just, she, I feel like she, she grew on me over the seasons. And that was a funny rewatch for me because I don't actually feel like Friends references modern pop culture that much. And Janice at the house, I think it was like Westchester or whatever. And she was like, oh my gosh, what a small world. And Chandler said like, funny, because I never run into Beyonce. And I was like, oh my gosh, at the end of Friends, Beyonce was already a thing. I would not have put the two together. Yeah. To me, Friends ended so long ago. Yeah. I'm like, I think she was still part of Destiny's Child when it ended. No? No, she probably had just come out with Crazy in Love. No, because if it was 04, because she's what, a year older than me? So I don't know. Two years old, crazy, crazy, and so she would have been in early twenties. Well, crazy and love came out in two thousand three. What? Wow. Gosh, I'm so thrown off. So I I was like, wow, what an evergreen reference. Yeah, impressive. I some of your favorite guest stars. I hate that I feel this way. (laughs) I love the one in Massapequa with Alec Baldwin. Oh my god. I feel like that's one of our brother's favorites too, because yeah. he always thought it was funny how Alec Baldwin says aces. <laughs> he still says I that. Feel like that. He says aces. <laughs> um, yes, he's overly positive and he's like, to be here in event room C. There's something about that that makes me laugh. I really loved his like needlessly positive character. Um, You're so I right. also um I loved um Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, she play, what was um, the, Amanda? Was and she was speaking a yeah. British Amanda. accent. Amanda. Amanda. <laughs> and she says to Chandler, "You look positively ghastly." And I feel like that's something I use in like everyday speech. And she, they walk in, and she's like showing him her high kicks. 
I, yeah, there's so many things I forget. I need to do a full rewatch. I, one of my favorite, like, I think Monica's really good at delivery. And one of my favorite things she says is to Amanda when she's like, you're no. from Yonkers. Your last yeah. name is Bufa Montezzi. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It just, it's always, it's always tickled me. Yeah. Um, my other favorite guest stars, we already talked about Paul Rudd and and yeah, I think Brad Pitt's cameo was just like so iconic, especially really because, was. well, I have trivia questions for you later, but do you remember oh, what, oh, no. do you, re- no, they'll, you'll, well, A, it's mostly for like the group for fun, I not necessarily Rachel to Club? school you. Yeah. There's the, I hate Rachel Green Club <laughs> that Ross is a part of, Yeah, um, but Brad Pitt had like the most frosted tips in that episode. I'm like, it's funny that this was ever like hot. Oh. No. Oh, I know. But it really was at the time. It was all the rage. But what to me, what was so funny about that episode was when Ross then is like hesitant to reveal that he's having a baby with Rachel because of the club. Like, and then (sighs) Brad Pitt's reaction to finding like the whole thing was just like comedic gold. Did you listen to my episode with Danny? Not yet. Only because work's been so busy. Oh, no, but you don't I'm have to. to this no, but no, no, it was well, on my radar. When I did the episode with Danny, I was his books like mostly about like holiday stories, October to I know, December. I and um, I realized like there's not really much Thanksgiving content out there at all besides friends episodes. No, right. Like the trifle. The trifle. And when when Monica and um, Ross's parents are like, Rachel, just give it's awful. Give it up. Like. Okay, that episode. Okay, I was going to bring up to you earlier that I think that the Geller parents uh-huh. are two very underrated supporting characters that are very funny. No, you're right. Okay, so it was Elliot Golds and Christina Pickles. Oh, I don't even know their names. Not their names. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I just think Jack Geller. Something about Jack Geller's delivery. It's almost like Ben Stein esque deadpan, but like more comedic and. When like it was like there was a scene that when after Ross's wedding and he was looking for Chandler, maybe, and or no, Ross was looking for somebody after his wedding, and he sees his dad and he asks his dad where so and so is, and he says why, and Ross is like, well, we're we were playing hide and seek, and Jack Geller's just like, you can't ask us, son, that's cheating. <laughs> That line always stood out to me as just being funny. I'm like, oh, it was Chandler. I think was that when was Chandler, Chandler went missing before and, the wedding. And then at at Chandler Monica's wedding, just like stupid things like Chandler, I'm gonna have you arrested. You stole my moves. Like I don't know. I I'm like oh, suddenly a Jack Geller apologist, but um, I think those no, parents so are like slightly underrated and like funny. And I just think I like. I think there was a lot of fraught relationships with parents in that show, but I liked that Monica and Ross like still had a relationship with their parents. And, oh, you know, yeah. he'd come over for a monocuddle when his friend Richard broke up with her. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. Do you in general have a favorite character? No, I actually think personality wise, I love Chandler so much just because of the sarcasm. Like, yeah, I just always enjoyed his he was so quippy and fun funny you know i 
I enjoyed that. I I actually did not appreciate Monica for a while mm-hmm. because I found her to be um, a little too high strung. And I think the reason for that is because I was seeing myself in her and it mm. just took me a minute to realize, oh, I need to chill. <laughs> have you ever vacuumed your vacuum, Cal? Um, I currently have two <laughs> vacuums sitting out there. One just for dog hair and one for everything else. And I did vacuum the vacuum using the dog hair vacuum because I was trying to get the dust up. <laughs> the, the, I, I, I agree though, that Monica is a character I've appreciated the more, the older I've really? gotten. Yeah. And I find her genuinely funny. And like, I think when she gets with Chandler, especially their chemistry is like weirdly electric, even though mm-hmm. I don't know. And and I think his acceptance of her is really satisfying as an adult too. And I think he has this one quote where he's like, yeah, you're high maintenance, but I like maintaining you. And I'm like, Oh yeah. I'm like, that's a really that's sweet, so sweet. And, and I feel like high maintenance is something we've been taught for forever is like an undesirable quality in a woman. And it's like, well, no, if you have standards and you have somebody that is willing to meet them, like, isn't that cool too? And Chandler's speech, the social worker kills me about her wanting to be a mom. It's so, I mean, Matthew Perry had some like chops, acting chops. So I had a lot of range, I think, oh, with no, being like sure. a really sweet and devoted husband and saying things like, like I, some of my favorite moments are like unusual character overlaps and like him and Rachel were very rarely in scenes together besides like the cheesecake episode. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. And I don't, I think it maybe was that episode where he says one of his like most famous lines, like I'm not so good with the advice. Can I interest you in a sarcastic, a sarcastic comment? comment. Or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, like exactly. that's just him in a nutshell, but he, he stepped up when he needed to with Monica. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But when at first, when you said social worker, I immediately, the reason I laughed was because I flashed back to the episode where, um, I think Joey brings home, I'm sorry, Chandler brings home a social worker and she's like, I've been here before. Yes. She slept with Joey. She slept with Joey. And like, and then there were like, I'm trying to remember the premise now. I haven't seen that one in so long, but. I love that this is us trying to vaguely remember friends plot lines, but honestly, that's what I wanted because I think that's how everyone is. Nobody remembers every, we've all seen it. This, this is a show for super fans that wanted to shoot the shit about friends. Oh yeah. hope so. Because I. I don't know if this is popular. I've I've honestly thought Ross was the best character. Really? Well, to be clear, Ross is a terrible person that makes awful decisions, but he's such a good character that he's one of my favorite characters. And he's given so much, so many of the comedic, like the classic comedic scenes. Yeah. Ross has the leather pants, the teeth oh. whitening, the spray tan. Spray tan. Oh my gosh. Um, and he has and I think I feel like Wait, one thing the, the, the teeth whitening with the lava lamp. <laughs> yes. Like he's he's given so many like the physical and he's like a really good physical physical yeah. comedian. And I think the best example of this, and they reenact this in the reunion, is the one where they all find out when they're in ugly naked guy's apartment that's now Ross's. Uh, he's about to see Monica and Chandler through the window. And Phoebe and uh, Rachel are trying to block him. And he's like, we're just really excited about this apartment. He uh-huh. does this jump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a, like a dolphin, the dolphin move. Yes. This isn't going to come across in audio, but please rewatch that episode because his dolphin jump is like one of my uh, favorite things ever. Yeah. And 
yeah, he, I just, I don't know why, but a lot of the episodes I love, I realize kind of center on a Ross plot line, but I, I, you, you do or don't. No, I do. Because I love that he's, he just, he was always just like into what, what did, um, Rachel say, or Jennifer Aniston say at the reunion? Playing with bones. Playing with bones. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like that was always his passion. I mean, Hey, he took her there. And they rolled over the fruit juice cup, you know? And, How did he not get fired? Um, but didn't, that was so over my head at the time. That they were doing it in the planetarium? Yeah. And the, yeah. Oh, so much of it was so over my yeah. head. Um, even I was re-watching that we were on a break scene. And when Rachel was like, how was she? I was like, this is like, too, this conversation is too hard for me. Like, can you imagine actually being in that situation? Yeah, I think as an adult, my favorite character is Monica. Going through it, my favorite was Ross. I love Chandler too, but I think he's kind of more like an aside guy. Like when yes. you think about Chandler, he doesn't have much plot. No. He's like Monica's partner like, for half of it. Right. But I, I feel like the show itself, whether they were together or not, revolves so heavily around Ross and Rachel. That yeah. it was like everybody just had to play their part into that being the kind of core for what they were Ultimate. doing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But then naturally, I feel like I read somewhere, or maybe this was, I don't know, but that originally Chandler and Monica were going to be a like a one night stand. Yes. But because the audience reaction was so big that they like kept it going and it ended up being, yes. yeah, such a big deal. Oh, yeah. Marta Kaufman said that it was going to be just like a season cliffhanger. Yeah. But the applause went on so long. Oh, can you imagine? Uh, So good. Um, Do you have a favorite season overall? I feel like in general, for me, it's funny you said that you like the ones after Monica and Chandler get together. I actually like like seasons three through six. Really? Yeah. There's just something about like everybody's still very carefree. There's like the Ross and Rachel drama. But then part of it was, even though I feel like Chandler was my favorite character, I really see I enjoyed seeing Rachel like grow from like she was working at the yeah. coffee shop. And then all of a sudden she's becoming an assistant buyer. And like this the scenes with Joanna and Chandler, him locked up. Oh, remember I the about Joanna? The oh yeah. Stuff like that just cracked me up. So like, I actually liked kind of the center of the series. That's interesting. I always, you know, in my box set that I bought at Midway, I almost always would start at five and beyond. Like, I think we can all agree I never that watch one, one. I don't one care about- is, Rachel is really whiny in yeah. season one and she's, she's kind of insufferable. Like, yeah. so the, the early seasons were trying so hard to explain the context of who everybody was that they weren't like really existing. They were just almost these like caricatures that weren't Mm -hmm. relatable or conceived like people that could be your friends. Um, And I just, I remember, yeah, whenever I try to rewatch that, I'm like the Rachel and Barry thing. I'm like, what? It's yeah. It just is a little too far back and the characters aren't as likable. And Phoebe is so quirky, like too quirky. And I think early on didn't or quote Ursula play a bigger role. Yes. I forgot about Ursula. Ursula was always kind of a weird plot that I didn't care about. So Ursula was a character on another show. Yes. Mad about you. Mad about you. And then, yeah. And I guess they, that they, so then they brought that over. So I think for folks that were maybe fans of Mad About You, it was fun. But for the rest of us, it was like, I don't really get it. I did like Rachel's career arc. Now that you say that it was inspiring. 
And that episode where she pretends to smoke is really funny. <laughs> oh, hysterical. <laughs> Remember when, uh, was it Zellner? When they like go to shake hands and she accidentally like. Kisses him? Kisses him. Or no, no, no. Yeah. Like he goes to open the door and she thinks he's kissing her cheek. That happened to you, goes, Kelly. And she comes back. into. <laughs> Every time I see that scene, I think of you giving a bear hug to a school principal who was opening the door for you. <laughs> oh, 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 how I, it's like I've blocked my own memory out. That was, oh man, she was a lot taller than me and my face went right into her bosom <laughs> when she was opening so she the door. Opening I thought she the was door coming and you thought she was giving you <laughs> For in a professional capacity. <laughs> Oh man. Oh my God. It's my favorite ever. Um, sorry to remind you of that. I, I, I thought you, that's, I thought that's why you're bringing it up, but it clearly nope. you totally blocked. I, it I completely blocked that out from my memory. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, do you, well, okay. My favorite season I think is um, six. Okay. Um, it's after Ross meets Emily after Chandler and Monica get together and I realized it has some of my favorite episodes in it um, because I love the, I think, okay. I think my favorite episode, this is so random and I can't really stand by it. Cause I don't even know why it comes to mind. I feel like my favorite episode is the one with the apothecary table. <laughs> I don't know why it's just a lot of pottery barn talk. And I really identify with that. It was a lot of pottery barn talk. Um, and season six has the one with the uh, apothecary table. It has the routine. It has, the the Thanksgiving with the Geller parents. It has another episode I'll ask you about in trivia in a moment. It ends with a proposal with all the candles. And you know how I feel oh, yeah. about candles oh, and a yeah. proposal. That entire Twilight. So I think season six, it was like really entertaining to watch them be a secret and then people slowly get to know. And it just started, I, I don't know. That I think is one of my, I think that's the season that was like my, my biggest go-to. Yeah. But I also have like so many other my other favorite moments that I cannot place are Joey on that game show, Paper Snow a Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I reference that all the time. I don't um, even know when that was. Was it like Hundred Thousand Dollar Pyramid? Yes, yes. It was like a word association. <laughs> a ghost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I also I think the one like on a rainy day, if I really need to laugh, I love the blooper scene, especially, or maybe it's even not even a blooper of Ross playing bagpipes and Phoebe singing along. And Jen Aniston in the background is trying not to break. You know, when he Ross plays the oh, bagpipes yes. and she's yeah. like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there was a similar when Ross brought his keyboard to play his music, his quote, my music his sound, a sound. <laughs> And the same thing, they were trying not to break. <laughs> I, I even feel like one of my favorite little things from friends I think about a lot is like how Rachel said Joshua. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's another one. We're okay. They were dating at the time. Yes. He was more famous than her at the time. Yes. Wait, who? Wait, Joshua was played by who? Tate Donovan. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that's one of your favorite seasons. Yes. Because of stuff like that, all the missteps and cues and like when they, when he thought that she was getting too serious too quick after like Ross, I think proposed to Emily and then yeah. they all go get the wedding dresses and then she come, he get he knocks on the door is like one more chance and she answers and she's like, I do. <laughs> oh and God, then, 
It's just so See, good. I, I am so ripe for the bait of that predictable sitcom chaos. I'm like, no way he came while they, he was in a wedding dress. Because also the reality, I've actually always thought it would be a good Halloween costume to be wearing a wedding dress with like um, yellow rubber gloves, like Monica oh, doing Monica. dishes. In the, <laughs> but I'm like, it's so unrealistic that she would ever put that on and clean in it. It, it was never. Emily's, right? Didn't she put it was Emily's, Emily's actual wedding dress yeah. on? Yeah. It's crazy. I know, wild wild do we think they actually went for to film the wedding they actually the cast did go to london right yeah are you going to go back and um when you're there in a few weeks and try and find some of the the scenery we won't be there for long we have like maybe one spare day and greg was like what do you want to do and i was like honest to god i want to go have a pint at the ted lasso pub because i love pop culture tourism so yeah that's my big plan okay are you ready for my quiz before i let you go this episode is brought to you by mark fisher footwear and the mark fisher fall collection is casual luxe redefined it's designed to be styled with individuality and worn on repeat and the Mark Fisher LTD Fall 2023 collection continues to be the resource for high-impact shoes that will boost every style cushion. Whether it's stacked heels, boots, booties, tough luxe motos, or slouched buttery leather styles with Western flair. They have countless different types of shoes that provide the groundwork to build your style from the bottom up. And you will be wearing them on repeat all season long and across seasons. There's a remarkable balance of trendiness and timelessness that comes with Mark Fisher footwear shoes. And I have been wearing the same boots for multiple seasons, and I love seeing what new styles they come up with every season because there's they're always ahead of the trends, honestly. I feel like I'm always wondering what shoes we're wearing these days. And lo and behold, you know, we're back into Mary Janes and they've got them. We're back into knee highs. They've got them. It's officially boot season and I'm quite excited for it. Whether you want moto boots with buckle and hardware details or, you know, an exaggerated fold over with a slouchy detail, a modern take on an everyday boot. I'm a huge fan. Also, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but my code can be stacked. And I feel like a lot of you go ham at Mark Fisher when you can stack the codes. And I love you for it because I do too. Anyway, build your fall wardrobe from the ground up. Shop the new pre-fall collection and receive 20% off your purchase with the code BETHEREIN5 at markfisherfootwear.com. That's M-A-R-C-F-I-S-H-E-R footwear.com for 20% off with code BETHEREIN5. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that you asked me, but I failed to ask you in return. Oh, 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 how could we forget this cameo? Bruce Willis as Elizabeth's dad. Oh my God. That was so good. That was so good. And I just had a flashback when they go to the cabin and he's like hiding in the bathroom (laughs) and Bruce is in there like talking to himself. And then when they go to dinner and was it, I think now I'm I'm not going to remember it verbatim, but like Ross, I think is gone to the bathroom and Elizabeth is saying something about his kids. And then Ross comes back and like interjects to be like, oh, that was my third wife or something like that. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, shoot. I'm so, I'm totally butchering this. Or are you mixing it up when Rachel's dad, when Ross is with Mona and Rachel's dad comes to confront Ross? No, but that was funny too. But I do feel like I remember Elizabeth and Bruce Willis in a scene, but maybe I'm wrong. Okay. And Elizabeth Bruce was so Willis. young to, for Ross to be dating his student. Student. So weird. And for I mean, Kelly, like, it's a regular Professor Lasky, Kelly Kapowski. It really, really is. How Clearly weird is that in retrospect? That what? She was, she was a freshman. Yeah. <laughs> and like asked to go to spring break. Like, or what'd she call it? Spring vacation. 
like everybody was like, she's going to spring break. And Ross is like, no, she's going on spring vacation. And then she gets like hurled over some guy's shoulder and like run onto a plane. I feel like that, like that, so many things didn't age well. And like, also remember Monica accidentally like sleeps with the guy in high school. I think he was 18, but he was in high school. And the episode's literally called the one with the ick. Vaguely coming back to me. Oh my gosh. It was early on. It's I'm like, oh, it's so interesting how many themes like just maybe aren't fodder oh, for and comedy anymore. Say, like, oh, I remember now because he had a squeaky voice, blondish hair. Yes. Yeah. He played soccer. Yeah. It's like kind of even weird to think of Monica playing the field because she was mostly with Richard or. Right. Right. Some of my favorite scenes are Rachel trying to be cool because I think that she was so cool and so beautiful. It was something was reassuring about her awkwardness. The one with the Yeti. Oh, Danny. Rachel, like, <laughs> Danny. <laughs> that was Some the Regatta favorite... Yeah, I feel like she has a lot of really good awkward stories, but I feel like we we covered some pretty solid ground. Okay, so m- with my trivia questions, Cal, this is not about... Oh, also random for the audience. Bonnie... Okay, Mona is played by a woman named Bonnie Somerville. Bonnie Somerville has a song on the garden state soundtrack called winding road but i just know that listeners of this podcast might appreciate the connection of mona being bonnie somerville of winding road road no idea yeah but you saying bonnie just reminded me remember when um melody from hey dude guest starred yes christine taylor yes um and she was bald at one point and that's how yeah that's an early episode, too. I have not revisited it in forever. Because also, Christine Taylor's husband, Ben Stiller, was a guest star right around that time. Right. But also, and I think that episode was the, like, what, 18 pages front and back? Yeah, aka my life story. 18 pages 18 front and back is my energy. I feel like everyone complaining about how long my podcast is, how long my book is. I'm like, I get it. Front and back. That's hysterical. Some people are thorough. <laughs> oh my gosh. I lo- also love that your reference for Christine Taylor is Melody on Hey Dude, because I agree. And I also, ever since Hey Dude, felt like Brad is a cute girl's name that I don't hear often. I agree. I think it is super cute. I think she was Bradley. Did I tell you that we saw a coyote out in like in our front yard? You did? We have coyotes. Yeah, we have coyotes here too. And I always think of Hey Dude, because at the end of the theme song, <gasps> they say, better watch out for those coyotes and um, killer cacti hey or something like that oh yeah we we have them too wow hey dude what a throwback okay great show kel my trivia questions are not meant to be answered i know you hate when i do this to you because you you, you want to get the answers right but this is more for the audience to play so please don't worry okay, okay. pressure's off okay kelly what do you know what food items are referred to as the Joey special. Pizza. Yes, but it's like double. It's two pizzas. Two pizzas. <laughs> yes. Okay, hold on. Sorry, I had to think that through. Oh my gosh. Good job, Kelly. No, that was great. <laughs> um, what does Ross call the secret ingredient of his Thanksgiving sandwich? Oh, uh, 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 oh, it's the gravy, but I can't think of the what it calls it. Because it's not real. You made it up. <laughs> what is oh the moist maker? Yes. <laughs> okay. Can we also talk about Ross? Okay. Ross's rage about his sandwich. Rewatching it, I'm like, I get it. Life is hard. Don't eat my sandwich. 
Yeah. And then he's like given tranquilizers and eats cotton candy. (laughs) Ross having a a meltdown season five is like peak comedy, I think, when he has to take anger management because of his sandwich and the voice maker. Oh, okay. Two other Ross questions. What's the name of Ross's monkey? Marcel. Very good. Okay. What is, (laughs) this is one of my favorite episodes in season six. What does it, what is it called? When Ross is teaching the girls to be in a state of total awareness. Unagi. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I always think of Rachel going salmon skin roll. I know. <laughs> okay. What is the, what name are, is Chandler's mail addressed to like his TV it guide? Is Mrs. Chandler Bond. Bond. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew you know this. What kind of doctor was Richard? Wasn't he optometrist? He was an eye doctor ophthalmologist is that the same as an op- i actually don't know i had an ophthalmologist but that might be the same as an op- and it's not the same but i don't know how they're different i guess yeah i don't know how either or maybe one is for like one does surgery one doesn't one does, probably yeah we're so good at sorting out this medical stuff together so good <laughs> I should change what was career. what was joey's agent's name oh 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 i can picture her sitting there smoking <laughs> with the hair uh, oh oh, oh. <laughs> Here's a hint. This same name as the singer who sung the song American Boy. You'll be my American. Yes. <laughs> oh, who I should played, have had that. Uh, Rachel's two sisters. What were their names? Like who played them as actresses? Oh, um, uh, Reese Witherspoon and mm-hmm. Christina Applegate. Can I say that I never enjoyed the plot lines about Rachel's sisters? They were like no. so bratty. It wasn't entertaining. Yeah, I agree. I think it was just like a way to bring more famous people in. Which friend's cast member's house was Prince Harry at when he ate mushrooms and thought the toilet was talking to him Monica. in his memoir? <laughs> <laughs> what singer introduced Courtney Cox to her now partner of 10 years? What singer? This is so random to me. I don't expect you to get it. I just found it shocking. It's kind of a young-ish singer. But also has red hair. Ed Sheeran? Yeah. Seriously? Yes. Ed Sheeran and Courtney Cox are like thick as thieves. Whoa. I did not know that. And they did a TikTok together of the routine. And I remember thinking, why are Ed Sheeran and Courtney Cox doing the routine? (laughs) That's funny. Hey, buddy. When Phoebe gets married to Mike Hannigan, she decides to change her last name. What does she change it to? Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. Yes, very good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that might be, I've noticed at Trivia Nights, people get that confused with Regina Falange, which is like her like oh, kind of fake, her- you know, George Glass. What is the name of Joey's stuffed penguin? His childhood friend. That he gives to Emma. Mm-hmm. Or Rachel makes him give it to her. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's two syllables. Oh, then I don't know. Hugsy. Yes, that's right. Uh, lastly, by the end of the series, how much was each actor making per episode? A million dollars. Yeah. So crazy. It start so season one. It started at twenty two thousand five hundred, and then David Schwimmer talked them into negotiating what's called favored nations which is an industry term that you're getting equal contractual treatment 
to others on the project. And it was such a smart decision because realistically, I think Jen Aniston would have maybe like crazy out earned people. Who else yeah. would have out earned uh, Courtney Cox and Jen Aniston, honestly? Lisa, I mean, Lisa Kudrow's career so. is Romeo and Michelle, the comeback. Like she has so, such, such oh, good stuff. Sure. But I think in the 90s, those two were like their stock was oh. high. Well, because Courtney Cox was doing Scream, like that Scream. whole series, which yeah. was a big deal. And then uh, uh, Jen had like a variety of bigger movies. That, like they were more, they were movie stars in addition to TV stars. Yeah. Because Kelly, so, yeah. all roads lead back to Along Came Polly, Jennifer <laughs> Aniston's finest work. Obviously. <laughs> I, I felt so uncomfortable in the reunion when like Cindy Crawford came out in Ross's leather pants. Justin Bieber as Spudnik, Cara oh, Delevingne. It was it was the weirdest cast of characters. Yeah. It was, and then Lady Gaga sang "Smelly Cat" with Lisa Kudrow, and Lisa Kudrow didn't seem that into it, which was also tough. <laughs> I remember that. Yes, it's Lady Gaga. Show a little uh, spirit. Yeah, seriously, she sang "Smelly Cat" with Taylor Swift on stage at the 1989 World Tour, if you recall. My other no. question for you, just in general, with pop culture is wondering if you watch the Beckham documentary. Absolutely. Kelly, I loved it. I watched it twice. <laughs> Did you? I'm so yes. impressed. It was, I was one of those, like I had to go to sleep and I could not wait for the next day. Yeah. Like, I thought it was so well done. I think they just are like the cutest, sweetest couple. And I think you posted the video of them. Like, Oh, islands in the stream. Yeah. Islands in the stream. It was a little interesting to me that they sort of glazed over the alleged affair and like, right. but I guess at this point it's like, maybe they just, cause he's always denied it to my knowledge. So yes. it's just like something happened. It was a rough patch, like moving on and Hey, that's their prerogative to share what they want to share, but they're so rich. They're so rich. Thank God I bought a hundred dollars with a Victoria Beckham beauty this week. Cause she really needed my money. She did. Thank you for helping those in need. She she gets on TikTok and she's just so amazingly like she still holds the phone up high at an angle, points her chin down. And she talks about like eyewear is back in the shade pecan. And I'm like, I got to have it. (laughs) She was suddenly so breezy and casual and approachable when she I think that maybe we liked it because we were part of the we were witness to the posh Beck's media machine without the context for it. And we were a little young at the time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like yeah, what, I it was probably what Taylor and Travis are now is when like Posh and Beck's like a Spice Girl and the biggest football player and you know what I mean oh, got that's together. A great comparison, and I I feel like that must have been, uh, yeah. And it's just interesting. And I was telling Greg tonight, I'm like, I wonder if Travis's coaches, like David Beckham's coaches, were like he was too worried about paparazzi, he was too worried about his appearance, he was so caught up in his relationship. Like you do kind of have to, I think, be careful of the media machine when you actually have a job to do. In an athletic oh, field. For sure. I do believe, though, Andy Reid was quoted last week by saying that she can keep coming to games because they win whenever she's there. <laughs> I know, but the second the Chiefs start losing, it's sport. Well, it's superstitious.com. They lost this oh, weekend. Did, but she wasn't there. She wasn't there. The TikToks being like, oh, my God, ESPN in it with the inside jokes because they said, like, Travis left to his own devices. And, like, yes, that is a song like a lyric, an anti-hero, but also being left to your own devices is a common figure of speech Taylor Swift did not make up. Correct. And <laughs> on the New Heights pod, 
Jason was making fun of him because he was like, did you know that when Taylor's there, you have this, but when you're left to your own devices, you're, and he was like, it, Travis is the one to be like, yeah, I guess when I'm left to my own devices, I'm not as good. Like, did you think that was a lyric Easter egg? I thought that was two people no. using a common figure of speech. I thought, I think, I think it was a figure of speech. The reason I brought up David Beckham Kelly is because he shows up at the friends reunion. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot. Oh yeah. They he, interviewed he says, him early on. And he says, when I'm feeling low, I watch the scene where Joey steals Chandler's chair. And I'm like, David Beckham, why are you here? Also, were you feeling low in Madrid when you cheated on Posh Spice <laughs> and you didn't tell us about it? And I was like, damn, you know what I think? even David Beckham watches this show to score his tougher times. And we're all the yeah. same. No, for sure. I was just going to say one of the things I loved about the documentary was seeing the the perspective of their early on relationship and how he would like drop everything to go. Like he just was infatuated with her and just was like, yes, always wanted to be with her. Not in a creepy way. Just like he would, he would do whatever he could to be with her. And I thought that was really sweet to see because I never really paid much attention to that before. Oh, same. Uh, All of a sudden I was like, oh my God, a young day David Beckham is so hot. His original teeth were actually really endearing. His now veneers are nice too, but I think he had a really beautiful smile in his heyday. And I loved the revisiting of his hairstyles. And I love that Why nowadays not? he spends about 10 hours a day grilling one mushroom on a griddle. <laughs> the best. <laughs> it's the best. I think that, like, I just have no faith in celebrity marriages. Even who Jackman and his wife split, mm-hmm. even the longstanding ones don't make it. And I was like, I actually think that they're like meant to be. And I hope that they. They last, uh, Victoria yeah. and David. Yeah, I know. I do too. Would you be mad if your husband missed your C-section because he had a shoot with J-Lo and Beyonce? And Beyonce. I was I was like, is she, is she implying that he missed the birth because he had a photo shoot? That was the problem with the documentary. They imply that something happened, Yeah, but they never say it did. Like detail. Yeah, yeah. But it kind of worked because I, I, at the end, I was like, wow, that was so vulnerable and open of them. But then I realized I learned very little but it was just like fun to relive um i I thought i had like a really interesting list of questions i'd accumulated to ask you but it turns out i don't because all it says is does kelly know the origin of paprika (laughs) do you know what paprika is the spice the spice yeah what about is this a friend's reference or no? I just was writing things this week that I was like, I need to talk to Kelly about this. Maybe I'll wait till we record. Hold on. Paprika is the ground up version of hold on. Ugh, people are probably screaming right now. Everyone, everyone's <laughs> screaming. <laughs> I just didn't know this. And I realized my whole life I, I assumed there was like a paprika plant and I didn't know that there wasn't one. No, it's it's from another, and I just I don't know why I'm like blanking on the like seed that it's from. It's dried red bell peppers, and sometimes chili peppers. Chili peppers is, I think, more what I was thinking of. It, there's a there's dried chili peppers in it, but like the base is apparently dried bell peppers, which that I just found shocking. What I was thinking, interesting. No, I didn't know that. And I also wanted to know, are you on the side of TikTok where people are stitching this poor young lady named Susie, where she says, call me crazy because I don't really like store-bought pesto. And then they say, that's crazy, Susie. And then they say a much crazier story. No. Okay. My entire for you page. Is that in Crab Rangoon? 
Is that in Crab Rangoons? <laughs> it's so weird how it's like you engage with one video. You're done. So Cal. Oh, I know. My other question was, have you tried Trader Joe's snacky clusters? I actually have them in my pantry and I have not tried them yet. It's the Kelly. chocolate potato chip one. Is that correct? Desal potato chips, corn chips, and pretzels covered in chocolate. Chocolate? Yes. They're sitting in my pantry. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. I sometimes, last night I was thinking, I hope Teddy wakes up now because I want, I want to go downstairs and make a bottle and I want to eat a snacky cluster. They're that good. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was, did you watch Len's tribute on Dancing with the Stars? Oh, I did after you messaged me about it. That was so sweet. It really hit me, Kel. I don't care about Len. But for some reason, I was like, this show's been on since 2005. I mean, we've been Dancing with the Stars for a while. I know. And I haven't watched the last few years. But then when I watched it, I was like, oh, I do enjoy watching, like, especially the couples that are really good. And Riley with two E's and Harry Jousey. I mean, I don't know who either of them are. I know you mentioned them, but I don't know who they are. It's Lynn. So Lindsay Arnold is from a Mormon dancing family of four sisters and her youngest sister or second to youngest, maybe Riley with two E's is a pro at eight. She just graduated high school. She's 18. And she got paired with this influencer that was on that Netflix show. I think too hot to handle named Harry. And he's like a very good looking guy. That's like six, four whatever. And like, I don't know if they're flirting for the cameras, but I think people are shipping them big time. I'm kind of like, yikes. She's very innocent. 18. Her boyfriend's on a mission, a Mormon mission for two years. But I think they're getting a lot of votes for that. But then it sends me down a spiral of watching videos of Marilyn Max, the type of Dancing with the Stars chemistry that everyone dreams of. They were. Yeah, I would say the best couples. I also this is I would say chemistry in a different way. I loved. Um. Alfonso Ribeiro and Whitney and Whitney. I, they just were so good together. Alfonso is now hosting. I know. I know. I feel like I was going to say, uh, say, Oh, because I don't watch like the Vanderpump stuff, but I guess what their rumors oh, are Ariana later. No, oh, Emma Slater. Oh no. Uh, housewives of Beverly Hills and Mauricio. Oh. Yes, 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 yes. Umansky. Yes, they were seen holding hands. I saw. And I don't, again, I don't even know who they are, but I was like, oh. There's this niche universe I'm obsessed with, which is Dancing with the Stars (laughs) matches turned couples, whether they lasted or not, or speculated. And I think we just, Robert Herjavec and Kim. I know. Made it work. Yes. And okay. And I thought Brian Austin Green and Sharna were a product of the show, but I guess they weren't. Megan Fox used to be married to Brian Austin Green, right? Right. He was on Dancing with the Stars. Right. But he and Sharna, I think, were together before he was ever even on it. And they're not a product no. of the show. No. Oh, really? They are a product of the show? Yeah. Because I remember watching the chemistry build. Ooh, I'll have to rewatch this in real time. If you want to get hyped, watch Sharna and Nick Carter do Backstreet's Back. It's one of my favorite. Well, they called it jazz. I'd argue there's some technicalities that doesn't make it true jazz, Kelly, because I do know a thing or two about dance from dance. You know everything about dance. <laughs> um, the other thing on my list, I don't know why it applies to you or why I wrote it down, um, but I said, I feel like the world acts like I should know who Harry Connick Jr. is. And I don't really understand, <laughs> Kelly, who he is or where he's from or I what think, he I does. Like a combination actor singer. What has he been in but I before could, he was I, an American honestly, Idol I judge? I couldn't, I, I couldn't tell you. But don't you feel like he's treated with a level of ubiquity? Like, yeah, Harry Connick Jr. The crowd should cheer. He's this guy. And no, I'm like, well, who is right. he? 
in my head, he makes like CDs they sell at Starbucks. You might. I do think he's more jazz adjacent. Like he's kind of buble. I feel like we have a similar pop culture pool of references. And every time he comes up, I think, who the hell is this guy? And I've been exposed to him for 15 years now, and I've never Googled it. And I I refuse at this point. (laughs) Well, at this point, no. Just make something. (laughs) It's not worth it, Kelly. (laughs) Thank you for helping me sort through some of my feelings. Of course. Are you excited that it is fall? Did I see that it was snowing in Chicago? It snowed on Halloween. That's crazy. I know. We didn't have as many trick-or-treaters as usual. Um, But there was a trick-or-treater who was at Beth. Oh, no way. Which was exciting. I was like, welcome to my home. That's so fun. (laughs) Her son was in this cute dinosaur outfit, and he was trying to get up the stairs. And I was like, oh, I don't want him to get up the stairs because I hadn't salted my stairs because they were slick. And I was like, I feel so bad. These kids can't. So I came out barefoot being like, here, just take the candy at the bottom of the stairs. And like, I don't know. (laughs) I was like, I I probably look so weird. I'm dressed as a a weird Dwight Schrute Mormon missionary. (laughs) I'm sure she was confused. (laughs) But I always love to meet a Beth in the wild. I always find it funny what we um, TikTok message each other versus like what we just text uh-huh. or talk about. It's uh, the really chaotic live North and Kim did. Again, we love Northwest uh, where she's like, someone's about to start a brand. And I think it was K-H-Y, Kai, the leather, the Morpheus leather oh. company. And then you sent me Olivia Rodrigo with Jimmy Kimmel's kids, which is funny because I watched that like two or three times. I was so charmed by how good she was with the kids. And I I just thought how sweet it was. He was making their dreams come true. And his daughter's reaction was priceless. Like she could It was so cute. Anyways, if you need to feel good video, watch Jimmy Kimmel picking up Olivia, Olivia and surprising his kids. And then you sent me Alex Earl and Kelly Clarkson compare outfits. (laughs) Which was funny. She did good on Kelly's show. Yeah, because it was so funny that Alex, like, she was like, I'm, I feel like a mom, like, heading to school pickup, and she's in heels, like, hot pants, and a halter, (laughs) a halter, full face of makeup. And then Kelly was like, here's a picture of me picking my kids up from school, and then showed, like, a bunch of other videos that other moms did, like, picking their kids up from school, like, I kind of appreciated it because I'm like, I feel like people could eye roll Alex Earl for that, but she has a sense of humor about it. It was so cute. And I just, in general, love, we send each other a lot of Kelly Oki videos. And I also sent you this sound and then you said, I almost sent this to you and I'm going to play it because I think it's just like, so us. Really like for us to do something fun together. I think we should go to Home Goods. I think we should go to Target. I think we should go to the Four Seasons, have lunch, get a massage. Then I think we should go out. It's, it, uh, (laughs) <laughs> it's Malika talking to Chloe and she's just like, it's just, it's the ultimate treat yourself. I feel like that is yes. us to a T. It's oh. like, we've had a hard day. We've had a weird conversation. We remember a bad memory and we're like, we need crispy rice and we need it now. And we went two pieces for $17 and nothing oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then we want to get a massage after at, at the head spa place. And then I want to find a spicy margarita and then yeah. we can go to home goods. I love treat yourself culture and Chloe and Malika are thick as thieves and they just, I'm happy they're still friends. No. Anyway, girl. Well, thank you. I'm kept you on way too long. You are the best. Thanks for chatting. I just feel like friends will forever be a go-to for both of us, a shared love. We have a thing we can put on the background, a thing that'll make us lol. Always. And now that I say friends forever, I'm thinking of the Zach attack song. (laughs) What was 
also an appropriate relationship, the manager at the Max and Kelly. Wait, it was the what a fever dream. That was an episode where like they were pretend it was a pretend documentary about the Zach attacks. Right. And, and they Casey, were like case and narrated. Yes. Yeah. But it it didn't actually happen. No. It was a dream. And I don't even remember whose dream it was. Like, forever. Oh. And they had that the follow-up song. Something about having a chance. Didn't we almost have a chance? Or like oh, or is that a real song? I just combined it with a real song. It was something about having a chance. No, I now that you say that, I think you're right. But yeah, prior to us being obsessed with friends, our culture was Saved by the Bell and Full House, I feel like. And um in the world of Saved by the Bell. Great job addressing it um in the first few chapters of your book. That is true. Now that I like got over like a pretty big hump of something, I'm so excited because now I can dedicate the rest of my time to finishing my book. <laughs> Literally, everyone I know personally that I've sent it to says like, oh my gosh, love it. Like haven't finished it, you know, just taking in every moment or, you know, it's so great. I just want to savor it. And they, everyone tells me something about why they haven't finished it. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> no. It's fine if you have it, but it's like almost a running gag with Courtney and I now of how like nobody I know personally has finished my book. And I'm like, I, I am not sending out any more copies. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I just had some stuff going on and just like took priority and I just haven't had no. the headspace. But here's the thing. I, I mostly listen to audiobooks. I don't read a lot of well, books because I don't, so I can't even thing. take the time. Trust me. It takes me so long to finish a book. It's just keep laughing. So it's like, oh, I love it. Can't make it past chapter three. I'm like, chapter okay. three. <laughs> yeah. okay. I think I think it's heady. And I think that, yeah, it's just, I'm not breezy. I'm not breezy. But that's my cross to bear, Kelly. No, well, and again, I think you did a good job of, you know, bringing the pod right back to where we started with a friend's reference. Yeah. I mean, all roads lead back to friends, which also leads back to Along Came Polly. Hey, we can watch it when we're hanging out in a few weeks. I well, can't yeah. wait. Kelly, will you come back for a Patreon app where we can talk about other stuff in a few weeks when you're yeah. visiting Teddy? Totally. I can't wait. All right. We'll talk to you then, girl. Awesome. Bye. Bye.